Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I have the privilege today of introducing a new friend of mine. We've had a, so City Church planted in 2019 of March, and City Church would not be here without a lot of incredible individuals and churches that helped us start from nothing. And one of those is Restoration Church in Denver. They've been like a parent church, a family church, a huge lifeline for City Church. They're incredible. Ron Johnson is one of my coaches and mentors, and they have just been a, a huge catalyst in a lot of the life-giving things that you see here at City Church. Um, and honestly, they stepped in in a really, really hard season of, of, of trying to get a church from nothing off the ground. And man, they've been so faithful and helped us in a ton of ways. And so today I have the privilege of introducing a new friend that's newer to the Restoration staff. The Stewart family is here today and Joe is going to be speaking. He's got a cool story. I'll let him share all of that with you today. But in the middle of this series, as we walk through what it means to be a witness, I thought it'd be really cool to bring out some practitioners that are living this stuff both locally and globally to encourage us, to challenge us, and to equip us as a church to love our neighbors well and to make disciples. And so I'm really excited for you to hear from Joe today. Uh, also, right after the service, they're going to be hanging out in the lobby in the middle of the chaos of us putting these bags together, and they've got a table set up underneath the TV out there in the lobby with some cool next steps, anything that you might, uh, he's going to give you some invitations of some next steps, and so all of that's going to be there with his family, so you can check that out as well. Um, do we have the video? Are we ready for that? Okay, no video. So I'm going to pray for us. Joe's going to come up. And this is not just praying to transition, guys, right? <laughs> we believe in prayer. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come uh, and join us as we uh, sit under uh, the scriptures together and lean in and open our hearts to what God wants to do in and through us today. So let's take a moment and pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning. Thank you that we get to worship you. And we get to sing songs that remind us of who you are. Thank you that those realities don't change, whether we can see the, the words on the screen or not. Thank you for the opportunity of this incredible church that's like family that we get to gather and we get to sit under teaching that points our hearts and gives us a vision of the good life that you invite us into. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you meet us in this place? Would your love be present here? Would your agenda be accomplished in our hearts? Would, be open, would, our, would our hearts and our minds be open to what you have for us? And would we leave here different than we showed up? It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys put your hands together for Joe. Let's go. I think I got it. I got it? All right. What is up? Uh, who's been here the other weeks? Okay. So I, Drake told me you guys watched a short Bible Project video. And uh, I thought really quickly when there wasn't going to be a video, I would try to do my best Tim Mackey uh, impression. He's the voice that you hear uh, on those, but I won't. Uh, okay, I'm really excited to get to be here with you guys. Uh, thank you, Drake. Man, it's been an honor to get to know you. Uh, I know 
quite a bit about what you guys are doing here at City Church, and uh, I'm very excited about what you guys have going on, and I'm very excited to get to open up God's Word with you today and to get to share a little bit about what uh, has been a strong conviction of mine, and I hope and pray will be a strong conviction of yours uh, after we walk out of these doors today. So um, it's getting nice out. Summer's around the corner. And so I think there's a few things that all of us or most of us will typically take part in as the summer comes. And the funny thing about them, though, is that a lot of us, these things that we take part in, we have no idea where they come from. We have absolutely no idea where they come from, but yet they kind of shape our lives. We don't know who invented them or why we use, we kind of know why we use them, but we don't know who invented them and where, where they come from. So did you know, I just learned all this stuff this uh, past week, I'm not really that smart, so I hope before you uh, put any accolades on me, uh, the bicycle debuted in 1817, and it was originally called a hobby horse, or a dandy horse, yeah, so Mount Tambora in Indonesia exploded in 1815. Uh, most historians consider that one of the biggest eruptions of all time, certainly the most deadliest. Over 100,000 deaths came from that explosion. And the ash cloud that came up from that actually swept around the world, and uh, especially through Europe, and created a lot of death. Uh, and not just people, but also animals, and among those animals, horses. And so with the lack of actual horses to ride around, someone created and people started riding hobby horses. That's where they come from. What about sunglasses? I'm sure a lot of you have worn them already today or will at some point at this sunny, beautiful day. And we don't know where they came from. But did you know that they were originally created as spectacles with lightly tinted green lenses because they thought it would help our sight get better? And that was in the 18th century. Or my favorite, I don't know if any of you will, but I know I will, no matter where I am in the world, eat copious amounts of ice cream this summer. 1600s in the city of Naples, Italy, ice cream came into existence and human life will never be the same. <laughs> right? So what's my point here? Like, what's the point of all these things? Well, my point is that I'm going to guess that uh, I'm going to make a leaping assumption that no one in the room has a clue who the people were that created these things. But their legacy has changed the world and made an indelible mark on human history. So their names, Carl von Drace with the bicycle, James Ascoff with sunglasses, and Antonio Latini, bless his heart, with ice cream. Seemingly nameless men whose faithfulness to ingenuity changed our lives and how we live even today centuries after their life. And so that's what we're going to discover in our passage today uh, in, is nameless men living faithful lives that will change a city that will then in turn change the world. We're going to discover how to be nameless world changers by evangelizing the lost, by equipping the saints, and by establishing the church. Those are our three points. Uh, so if you don't hear anything, hear that. And if you're going to leave, those are what I'm going to kind of flesh out the rest of the time. Okay, so our text this morning is Acts chapter 11. If you've got a Bible, uh, or uh, I heard somebody once say a phony Bible. It's on your phone. Uh, open it up, Acts chapter 11. That's where we're going to be. So I'm going to read God's Word, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. And then I will pray, and we will 
discover what God has for us today. Okay, Acts eleven nineteen to 26. This is the word of the Lord. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he sent to Tarsus to search for, he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, this house. Lord, that the people within it are your living stones and you, Christ Jesus, are the cornerstone building your temple. God, thank you that the presentation of that temple in this house today is getting to sit, Lord, under your grace, under your peace, under your sufficiency. God, that we get to worship you in grace and in truth and we get to hear from you, God, through your living and active word. God, I do pray that each of us would be changed by what we hear today, Lord, that we would walk out of these doors very different than what we came in. God, and that every word that comes off of my lips that is from you would fall on open ears. And every word that is not from you, Lord, would fall on deaf ears. God, I pray that you would move and stir in our souls, Lord. For you are our master, our king, but also our savior and our friend. God, we give this time to you as a worship, and we pray that it is received as such, Lord. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so a little bit of context really quickly about where we're at. We're in Acts chapter 11. Um, people are scattered kind of around the known world uh, out of Jerusalem. So if you remember back, I know you guys have been touching a lot on Acts. Uh, I've been trying to listen to the messages. Um, we had Pentecost, and there's all of these Jews, all of these people from kind of all over the Roman kingdom that are in Jerusalem because that's where they go to worship. Uh, but then some persecution breaks out really heavy, even stones someone to death named Stephen. And after that stoning, everyone starts to disperse and go to different areas. They, they start to run. Well, a lot of them ended up in this giant city called Antioch. And that's how we kind of get to where we are today. And some of them actually land in Antioch and they began sharing the gospel with people. What had changed their life that they heard about this Jesus while they were in Jerusalem. And so they went out to evangelize the lost. And there's three things that I want to point out to you guys about these people that went out to evangelize the lost. Do I have slides? Look at that. We've got slides. I was told we wouldn't have them. Woo! All right. Look at the slides. Don't look at me. I'm just joking. All right. We're going to evangelize the lost. Three things I want to point out about the dedication of these individuals. Okay. Number one is that they broke out of the walls of the synagogue to chase after the lost of this city. 
Okay, notice how, if you picked up on the, in our text here, a lot of people were coming and they were, it says they, they shared the gospel with no one except the Jews, right? So these Hellenistic Jews, it means these, these kind of Greek influence, these Greek-speaking Jews, were not willing to cross the gap from themselves to this, this cultural pagan person across from them, the Gentiles, those that, that saw after and worshiped other gods. They weren't able they weren't willing to cross that gap. They would only share Jesus with other Jews, with their kind that are just like them. Think of it as them only being willing to share kind of within the synagogue where they met together, within those walls. And good things can happen from this for sure. Jews were coming to faith and starting to follow Jesus. Praise God. But a movement of God is not going to be spawned by that type of timidity not being willing to go outside of our people group or our walls. So in the Western church, a lot of times we don't, uh, we don't really like to share the gospel a whole lot outside of our walls to a lost and broken world. We don't want to spread the message outside of our walls as much as we talk about it within them. We think, I'll share the gospel with someone if they come to church with me. Or if they bring up Jesus in a conversation, maybe I will try to lead towards that a little more. Now, I'm not trying to dog on anyone, obviously, but this in the scenario, if that be true with anyone here in this church, uh, it, that's in most churches in America. Barna put out a brand new study recently that 11% of Christians have explicitly shared the gospel with a non-believer within the last year. That leaves 89% of the people coming into churches leaving and never saying anything for a whole year about who they worship and who their king is. But look at these men from Cyprus and Cyrene. Look what they did. They took the gospel everywhere. They evangelized. They gospeled. And that's the second thing I, I want to bring up about them. Evangelism is evangelism. Okay, it's not preaching, it's not an event, it's a lifestyle. It's just who they were, they were gospeling. The term used here in the Greek is ewangelizo. So I don't know if you guys have covered that term yet, but ewangelizo simply means, if you just change the U for a V, evangelizo, it's evangelize. And that's actually the term, that's actually the exact word that's used when it says also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. It says evangelize the good news. That's what they were doing. And if you go into the Greek and actually look at it a little bit deeper, there's only one word there. Evangelize actually means good news. So it quite literally means they were gospeling the Lord Jesus. That's what they were doing all of the time. It was their habit. It was just their nature of life. They gospeled everywhere that they went. So when I first got into uh, just really the conviction about nine years ago that sharing the gospel is a non-negotiable in the Christian life, I was taken under the wing by a guy named Tom. So Tom had a way to train me how to evangelize the lost, and the way Tom wanted to do that was go door to door. It doesn't sound that fun because it's not. But... <laughs> Uh, we, so we would go door to door, and Tom told me, he said, Joe, I'm going to do all the talking, okay? You don't have to do anything, just come with me and pray. I said, well, cool, I can do that, I think that's fair enough. 
right? So we do a couple doors. We have some great gospel conversations with some people. We get to about the fourth or fifth house, and Tom knocks on the door, and he, he backs away, and right before they open, he says, hey, you got this one. <laughs> right? So what did I do? I mean, I was scared, but I just started talking because I just had watched Tom do this for an hour. So now I'm going to do whatever I just watched Tom do, and I'm going to start talking. And it was scary at first. Right? It sounds scary, but you know what it did? It trained me in how to evangelize. I've knocked on thousands of doors over the last nine years now. I've taken dozens or maybe hundreds of people out to go door to door too, just how Tom took me. And it trains us in how to engage in spiritual conversation, how to hear from the Spirit if this person is willing to open up to who God is or not. It's not about knocking on doors that makes me live a life of gospeling, but it taught me how. Now my wife and I, we get to share the gospel everywhere that we go. Uh, we share with our waiters and waitresses almost every time we go out to eat. We share, uh, I share at the gym. If I'm ever in a gym, I'm sharing with people. We share uh, at a park. We share, I've shared with the bakery lady and the meat man at the grocery store. Everywhere we go, share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because evangelism is evangelism. Gospeling is a lifestyle. And the folks in our passage, they lived that out. They lived it out. So won't we as well? Last thing I want to mention about them is that they were nameless. No recognition, no books, no podcasts, no nothing. Just faithful disciples of Jesus doing what Jesus had commanded. In the opening of Acts, in Acts 1.8, I know you guys have touched on this, if you remember what it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These nameless men of Cyprus and Cyrene obeyed their king in his command to witness for Jesus wherever they were to die to self and obey Christ. What better for us to follow their example and live in that type of obedience, to die to self, to obey Christ. In a Christian culture, even where pastors are really put on in, in a celebrity status at times, these faithful ones, these faithful disciples just brought Jesus to the world. Just because He said so. That was the only reason they were doing it. He loved them, they loved him, and he said to do it, so they did it. There's a quote by a man named Nicholas Ludwig, Count von Zinzendorf. Uh, if you're anywhere in the missions world, you actually know who Count Zinzendorf is. Uh, he said, he's got a quote, he said, preach Christ, die, and be forgotten. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're in the missions world, funny thing is, is that uh, he's hardly forgotten. Uh, we all know who Count Zinzendorf is. He was the leader of the Moravian missions movement, which was arguably one of the biggest missions movements, um, 1800s, but in the last two or 300 years. Um, but I understand his motivation. I understand what he was trying to say. I'm not saying that we should not strive for greatness for the Lord. Absolutely. We need to shine a light for him. We do not put our light under a lampstand. We let it shine for the world to see. But that's what he was trying to do, to impact the world in a profound way that brings God so much glory. 
that's how we should live our lives. But the reality is, as we live our lives that way, the reality is, is that I don't know my great-great-grandfather's name. Right? And chances are, you don't know yours either. And to add to that, chances are, three or four generations from now, nobody's going to know my name either. Nobody's probably going to know yours. But you know who will? The God of this universe who writes all of His children's names in the book of life. He knows. And I want to ask you, is He enough? Is salvation in Christ and eternity to enjoy His presence, is that enough for your labor and devotion today? I pray that it is that we would follow these guys' example to evangelize the lost. And because they evangelize so much, look at what God does. Actually, in our text, it says that the Lord's hand was with them and a large number who believed turned to them. And this is what happens when we actually obey Jesus, we follow Him, we live in the Spirit, we evangelize the lost, we don't care about recognition. His hand is with us and lots of things change. And when that happens, more become saints. So that's our second point here. So there's a need that arises when many new saints are following the Lord. They need to be equipped so that they can also be a disciple that goes out and make disciples. This wasn't like one or two people, you know, that were coming to know the Lord. No, it says large numbers. This is actually, it says it again in verse 24, 21 and 24, and it's actually the sixth time that this phrase, this exact phrase, is used in the book of Acts. The first one being in Pentecost. Over and over, to the faithful, God is bringing in large numbers into His kingdom. It was so significant that the church in Jerusalem heard about the movement that was happening up north in Antioch. And if a movement of God grows with such significance, others are going to hear about it. It's just what happens. So there's actually a lot of different stories I pondered about telling you guys about movements of God that are happening around the world today. Um, some of them are so big, I don't even think you would believe them. So I'm going to tell you one personally uh, that I was blessed to be, get to be a part of. It was in 2020, 2021. Uh, I was helping coach some work in the Middle East. That's where a bulk of our work has been the last four years. Um, so I was coaching these guys in the Middle East, five guys specifically. I was working with some great friends of mine in the region. Uh, we spent time problem solving. Um, going through uh, these problem-solving sessions, went into some of their house churches throughout their area, uh, went into training with them, trained some of their leaders, uh, worked with them for quite a while. And what's awesome is that though they were well on their way into multiplying at that point, and I've had friends that have continued to work with them and done an amazing job, by God's grace, it has continued to multiply and continued to multiply, and now is over 500 churches and over 1,000 groups. Now, I believe that that's worth hearing about. That's worth celebrating. These faithful brothers laboring in one of the hardest to reach and most dangerous to reach places in the world and yet seeing that God is adding to their number daily. And you know what they're never going to get? Any recognition. I know these brothers. They're in my phone. But I know that no one in the States is going to know their name Read a book by them if they even wrote one or listen to their podcast. 
nameless guys literally changing the world because of their love for Jesus, for Him to be glorified. And Do you believe that's what God wants to do? To have His people go and shine His glory in the darkest places of the earth? This is what these nameless folks were doing. According to the ancient historian Josephus, if you've heard of him, uh, lots of writings from back then, Antioch was third as the most prolific Roman city in the ancient world, only behind Rome itself and Alexandria. It was prolific in its population and in its power. It was pagan in its worship of other gods, temples. and So here you have these nameless disciples crazy about their love for Jesus and following His commands. To make disciples and be a witness, shine such a light and proclaim such a gospel in this prolific and pagan city for others to hear about it across the known world. So what about here? What are we doing here? What are we willing to do is what I want to ask. There's some stats that I pulled about Boulder. Uh, Gallup actually ranked Boulder as the second least religious city in the country. Yet in another article, Boulder was ranked fifth in New Age spirituality. I've gone on gospel sharing days here in Boulder. I can attest at least to that second one. However, it's the sixth most expensive city in the country to buy a house in. I heard that. I bet you guys are. That's why I don't live here. Uh, But I feel for y'all. This prolific and pagan city, it needs a movement of God. It needs a movement of God to evangelize the lost. It needs saints to be equipped to be bold and bring and being intentional in their lives day after day after day after day. It needs people that are so in love with Jesus. They're so in love with Him. So sold out for His fame and His glory. For His salvation to wash over this city. So I want you to think with me for a minute. We'll take a time out. Everyone in this room that is saved, that has repented from their sin, has been forgiven of every sin that they've ever committed, every sin that they're ever going to commit, that is washed in the blood of Jesus and who walks with Him every day. Do you remember the moment that that happened? Do you remember it? It might have been over a season of time, but I think that there was a moment that you realized I walk with Jesus now. You knew, you knew in that moment, Jesus is so beautiful. He's so loving. He's so kind. He's so forgiving. He's so remarkable. He's so intentional. He's so welcoming. He's so sacrificing. He's so amazing that I give my whole life to Him as my Savior, my King, my Lord, my friend. Do you remember that? What did it feel like in that moment? Like, What about the next day? I venture to think that we are, all of us, we're infatuated with Him in those first days. But something about this world has dulled that piercing arrow of love. It has quieted that flame, that roar of that flame. But we need it back. We need to remember that He is worth it all 
and that we are His people, His craftsmanship, His ambassadors to the world, and His hope for humanity. So the Gospel is the power of salvation for all those that believe, Romans 1, 16 and 17. And we are the vehicle through which that Gospel enters into the world. This city needs you. The world needs you. And you and I need to be equipped to know how to bring that powerful Gospel to bear on this world. So these believers, they made noise for the kingdom so much that Jerusalem heard about it and they sent Barnabas to go check it out. Barnabas got there and it was so crazy that he had to go and get Saul, who would be called Paul, if you're familiar with that name. And they spent a whole year teaching and raising up leaders, equipping the saints. And how were they able to move on and Paul go and do three other missionary journeys because they equipped the saints in Antioch. They stayed there for a year equipping. So much that Antioch actually became Paul's sending church for all three of these journeys. They raised up so many leaders that two chapters later, look at the first of chapter 13, you see them, all the leaders of Antioch, laying their hands on Paul, on Paul and Barnabas and sending them off. This pagan city became the missions agency of the ancient world. That's how much change happened. So I want to commend you guys here at City Church for kind of looking this way. Drake just mentioned you guys spend 10% of everything that comes in to go back out. That's incredible. That you would evangelize the lost and equip the saints and do our last point, establish the church. That we would establish the church. Barnabas and Saul helped these amazing, nameless disciples grow from a large growing number of disciples into an identified gathering of Jesus followers. Look at the text, the very last section of verse 26. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The name Christian means belonging to Christ. Herodians belonged to King Herod. Christians belonged to Christ. That's what the name means. The church was established in Antioch and given an identity under Christ, and it changed the world. And friends, we need a lot more churches that are willing to change the world. And they're willing to live in their identity in Christ. I know City Church here really functions as a church right here this morning, but also in your city groups if you're, if you're a city group leader in here right now, what do you need to do for your people in your group to look more like these nameless followers from Cyprus and Cyrene? Do you need to schedule time for your group to go out to Pearl Street or to a park or to see you Boulder Campus to share the gospel? Just set an hour aside on a Saturday and just go share the gospel with people. Pray over people personally with them. Do you need to get equipped and multiplying? That you would know how to make disciples that make disciples? How can you work to establish a church identity in your city group that's going to manifest in the world around you so much that people in the springs hear about it? Those are the type of city groups we need. 
So what do you need to do? If you're not in a city group, talk with someone after service. This is how the church grows and impacts the world as a church. So we call ours in our area, uh, neck of the woods. So we do work with Restoration Church. Uh, my wife and I and our kids, we live in Castle Rock. Um, but we do, we do kind of our work is stretching along the front range. Um, and we still have a lot of work in the Middle East as well. We started our simple church, uh, our city group, uh, in October of last year. And right now, by God's grace and His sovereignty, there are 44 simple churches that we have either started outside of ours or we are responsible for coaching at this point along the region. This isn't something I thought was going to happen, trust me. But when you're faithful with a little, God's going to give you a lot. And our simple church is our spiritual family. We're very close with them. Your city group needs to be your family. And a family needs to be on mission. They've got to have a mission. This city needs people who identify and are known to belong to Christ. Jesus came into the world leaving His seat in heaven. Lived a perfect life for the purpose of bringing atonement for your sins and for mine. He died on a tree to take our place and He rose from the grave to secure an eternal life with Him if we would just put our faith in Him. And if you believe that today, you belong to Him. He bought His church. And His church was not cheap. It cost Him everything. So may we never cheapen the immeasurable price that was paid for us to be called His. This is church, friends. Let's establish His church. So what are we going to do with all of this? Evangelize the lost, equip the saints, establish the church. Uh, three things I want to give you as very clear handles, I hope, uh, to walk out of here with today. Okay, the first of those is share the gospel. As these men from Cyprus and Cyrene did, share the gospel and make disciples. If you don't know how to share the gospel, come talk to me, talk to Pastor Drake. I'm sure there's others around here that would love to show you how. I have some uh, Three Circles stickers back at the table, uh, like Drake mentioned. I've got one on my phone. I'd never go anywhere without it. It's on my phone, my water bottle, everywhere. My kids know how to share the gospel using this tool. Uh, we'd love to show you how to do that. If you're in a city group, do it. Schedule an hour. Set aside time to be in the harvest, to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ with a city that needs it badly. If that sounds terrifying to you, uh, then get trained. Get trained how to do this. As Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch to train and raise up leaders, get trained. Attend a multiply training. Uh, we have one coming up in Denver at Restor Restoration Church this coming Saturday. I've got a QR code back there. You can scan it, sign up. I'll be there. Would love to see you there as well. In those trainings, we teach you how to share your story, how to share God's story, 
how to start a city group, how to run a city group, how to make a disciple that makes a disciple. Uh, we do all of that in one day. And you get free Chipotle. Come on. Okay, last one. As the church was established in Antioch, given their identity as Christian, you two establish the church. Establish the church. I have three ways. One, join a city group. If you're not in it, get into one. You need to be in one. Two, start a city group. Someone here knows that they are capable and willing, but you've been holding back for some reason. I know you guys need more city groups here at City Church, which means you need more leaders. If that is you, I know God is telling you to do it. If you're hearing from Him right now, do it. Start a city group. The third, help establish the church in one of the least reached places in the world. My wife and I are leading three short-term teams this summer to the Middle East to establish the church to work with long-term teams and long-term work and strategy. I know someone here is feeling a calling to the nations. From Genesis to Revelations, God's heart is for the nations. Not just for this city, not just for America. His heart is for the world. And He is reclaiming every nation. And every nation will be at the throne of heaven singing praises to the Lamb. And it is our job our job that he has given us to be his ambassadors 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we are going to be those ambassadors and if you're hearing that calling that you are to be an ambassador to the world I'd love to talk to you we have one spot left on our teams maybe it's you I know you guys have had very gifted speakers in this series of witness of which I am sure I am the least but if you don't hear anything, hear the three things. We have to evangelize the lost. We are God's plan. We have to equip the saints so that more disciples will make more disciples and large numbers will come just like our text tells us. And we have to establish the church. Belong to Christ and known as Christians. Bring God's glory to this earth as it is in heaven. We witness the glory of His majesty and be a witness to the world for it. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for uh, this text. God, that we can see the fullness of Your grace here. Lord, that Your salvation came to rest on all of these people in Jerusalem. And when persecution broke out, Lord, Your love broke out with it and scattered across the globe. God, thank You for these nameless men of Cyprus and Cyrene. How they have set an example, Lord, to just be faithful followers of You. Lord, that they would evangelize the lost. God, that you would send your church, you would send your servants and Paul and Barnabas from the church in Jerusalem and the far stretches of the earth to equip them to do more and more and more labor for you. And God, that they would establish the church and where they would first be known as Christians. 
belonging to you, Christ Jesus. God, may we belong to you. God, I pray that you would do a work in our heart, Lord, as we labor in your love. Lord, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.